Welcome back to the My Online Schooling podcast, the place where we talk to staff, to parents and to pupils to find out more about life at the online school. And today I'm very excited because we're speaking to five people who have recently returned from rowing across the Atlantic. And you might remember we spoke to them last year when they were in training before they left. Ian Baird, Duncan Hughes, Fraser Potter, Clive Rooney and Ross McKinney join us to explain what life was like crossing the Atlantic, how they coped with each other's company in such a small space, and how it felt to raise money for such a good cause. But we also get to hear what the relationship is between our five rows and my online schooling. So come with me now as we speak to Ian, Duncan, Fraser, Clive and Ross, otherwise known as Five in a Row. So I'm very excited about this episode because I'm today talking to Ian, to Duncan, to Fraser, to Clive and to Ross, five people who in December 2021 rode in a race unsupported across the Atlantic. Gentlemen, how are you all today? Good, thank you. Good, thank you. Good. Very well, thanks. Ian, just tell us a little bit about what's going on in your world and and maybe ask a couple of the gents here what's going on in their world as well. Well, I I think uh, we're probably all in the same boat, boom, boom, uh, that we're sort of coming back to earth with a bit of a thump. I, I know, I think most of us are back to our normal work um, environment and just trying to get back to normality whilst lots of people ask us um, many many questions about what it's like to row across the Atlantic and also what we're planning to do next. Fraser I think is very busy with the hotel. Yeah yeah we're uh, I've, I've got a little hotel up uh, a little bit north of uh, where you guys up in um, or down in North Berwick so um, full steam ahead with uh, uh, things there but yeah we've uh, been very busy asking answering questions I think on a hourly not even a daily basis of how it was and i think the next question or the question is what is next um so yeah that's a very interesting one that i'm not sure what the answer is yet but we'll come on to that in a moment in that case um ian i wonder just for anyone who's listening to this or watching this if they're watching the video version if you could just give us a quick snapshot as to what exactly you were doing in december last year uh, and why you were doing it as well well, so I'll, I'll, I'll give you what we were doing and I'll, I'll pass the why we were doing it on to one of the other guys. Uh, so we were taking part in the Talisker Whiskey Atlantic Challenge, uh, which is a 3,000 mile race from Lagomara in the Canary Islands across to Antigua. And it's unsupported. Uh, and that was very much true. We didn't see really another race boat um, the, the whole time we were out there. And we only saw a couple of big tankers. So we're very much on our own for 36 days, three hours and 33 minutes is what it took for us to get across. Uh, and, you know, we can talk more about it. The reason why we did it, I'll, I'll pass on to, to Ross, uh, who can tell you a bit more about the charity angle. Yeah, thanks, Ian. Yeah, the... The charity angle is you know, it was a big motivator for us. Um, we were raising funds for um, Reverse Ret, um, which is quite a small UK charity, um, and they, they fund medical research and to try and find a cure for, or a true cure or treatment for people with Ret syndrome. Uh, my daughter Eliza, she's got Ret syndrome, so it's obviously quite personal to me. Um, and the work that the charity does. So um, it's incredible that we've raised the best part of £50,000 through our Just Giving site um, during the, the the period of the race. So it's incredible, incredible support from so many different people. Um, so that, that's, a, that's a huge, makes a huge difference to the charity. Um, so we've got that. We've now, now that we've done the event as well, we've also got a boat to sell so we can actually raise some money 
uh, from the boat sale that can go get back passed on to the charity as well. So it's yeah, it's it's been an amazing sort of um, amazing sort of support that we've been able to bring to them. Uh, look, as well as the uh, charity side of what we've been doing in terms of raising money, we also had some objectives that really tied in with my online schooling, in that we really wanted to try and inspire kids both in the local community and further beyond. Um, and trying to get them engaged in what we're doing so that they could almost like uh, step out of what their normal day-to-day would be and think of a bigger picture thing and just go for it, no matter how daunting it might seem at the start. And I think with the partnership we've had with My Online Schooling, it's been amazing to see just some of the kids' reactions, their questions, their drawings, and their interpretation of what we've been doing. Um, and that's really, it helped, I suppose, motivate us whilst we're actually out at sea, hearing little snippets and seeing some of the, the letters that they wrote. And that as well, and engaging with our local community. And it was unbelievable just how much the community got behind it. And um, people all downloaded the tracking app and were continually checking it to see where we were and really got behind the whole race, which was amazing. Awesome. So I'd love to know a little bit about what it was like before you set off. Duncan Fraser, I wonder whether you can just give us a, a, a bit of an insight into how it felt before you left. I mean, you know, whether there were feelings of you know, apprehension about what you were about to do or just was it pure excitement and adrenaline? The, the start line was in um, the Canary Islands, a small island called Lagomera, just just off the um, west coast of Africa. And um, we were there for, I think it was 12 days, 13 days. Uh, preparing the boat, bit of last minute um, uh, prep and, 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 and basically getting ready for the race, which we thought at the time sounded like a very long time uh, standing around, but we actually used every single hour we, we were there uh, constructively. Uh, the closer we got to start line, the harder it was to sleep at night, um, just from apprehension. Um, yeah, but, uh, you know, a, a real mix of that with excitement, to be perfectly honest. Um yeah, and then the, the start line itself uh, was a really uh, incredible experience. You had a couple hundred people standing on a marina wall um, cheering us on as we went. I think we were the fourth boat out the harbour, maybe. Okay. Uh, you know, out of 36 boats. Uh, and it was, yeah, it was great. Fraser, tell us a little bit about what it was like then after you set off, maybe just the first 24 hours. You're getting used to, you know, the, what, what's what's happening ahead. You're getting used to being, well, still being in each other's company. I'm sure you've done, done that quite a bit in, in the training. But this time, of course, it's for real. How did you feel during those first 24 hours? First first 24 hours were, were uh, pretty daunting. Um, we were a bit nervous about losing sight of, of land. Uh, we've never, we've done a lot of practice roads, but never actually lost sight of land we sort of uh, skirted around um, the sort of east coast of Scotland um, always um, seeing um, reference points and that sort of uh, first sort of five days of being out at sea we didn't really know how our bodies were going to react whether we were going to get seasick whether um, we would be able to eat the foods that we've packed um, and dehydration and all the sort of different emotions that our bodies were going through um, obviously, there's a lot of uh, exertion on our physical side as well, um, getting our hands uh, toughened up for what's ahead and um, just getting into a routine of uh, rowing uh, for two hours and then, and then sleeping for two hours as well. So that whole transition from uh, normal day-to-day life to boat life, um, and that's, that's what it was for the next sort of five, six weeks. So we just had to sort of 
mentally prepare ourselves for that, which is um, which was really really tough. Ian, tell me a little bit about what some of the high points were of those thirty six days. Well, I think for me, there was a lot to do with uh, the, the wildlife and the environment that we were in. Uh, so even on the first day, we had a pod of pilot whales uh, were coming, leaping around um, just behind us. Um, we had, after a particularly tough night, um, again, in the first week, we had a big pod of maybe 30 or 40 bottlenose dolphins came and investigated the boat and uh, Duncan Fraser jumped in and had a quick swim with them. Um, that was that was amazing. There was a night uh, where it was really pitch black. Uh, you know, the moon didn't rise for until much later, and the phosphorescence was incredible. And you know, every stroke you took, you, the, every movement of your blade and every movement of the boat just glowed, um, and it was very surreal. Unfortunately, the cameras couldn't pick it up. They're just not as good as the human eye for these sort of things. But for us sitting there, uh, it was for me. It was very surreal. It felt like I was in a you know a high spec VFX film. Um, so yeah, there there were a few high points. Um, there were a lot of low points, <laughs> and I'm sure the other boys can talk about them. Um, you know, a, a lot of us suffered, particularly later on, with uh, just your, your body's under so much duress. There's a lot of pain building up, and I know Clive, for one, uh, really suffered with various parts of his anatomy, which I'm sure he can tell you about. Yeah, <clears throat> for me, like towards the end of the, the race, I found it really hard to sit down on the oars or sit down on the seat to even start rowing. And for probably the last six or seven days, I was uh, self-medicating uh, painkillers in order to make sure that I could get on the seat and actually put the effort in that I needed. Um, but I wasn't alone. I think everyone was starting to uh, have that same sort of feeling. And especially, I think the, the pain sort of almost crescendoed, like probably like 20, 30 hours before we even we finished because, I don't know, your body starts to check out that you are almost at the finish line and that's where it's all the little niggles and pains that have been probably being pushed to the, the back all started to raise, raise their heads. Um, but yeah, it was um, fairly tough going for those last uh, week, 10 days, in terms of, for, especially for me, definitely, in terms of sitting down. I'd like to add, it's probably because I've got a smaller bum than the rest of <laughs> So how did it feel to be, I mean, emotionally, to be in that situation where, where you might feel like you're letting the others down? And I don't necessarily mean you, Clive. I mean, I mean, you know, anyone that's suffering at any point and maybe not able to put in 100%. You know, how does that feel inside you? I think... Look, we all said at the very start that we'll, we'll always have an ebb and flow in terms of motivation and um, ability. And we've just all got to accept and be sympathetic to each other that some days will be better for others and uh, worse for others. And having that awareness before we actually got on the boat and actually, I suppose, a bit of both self-awareness and awareness of others around us, it meant that we actually, it didn't really affect morale or it didn't really start to annoy or aggravate anybody. And I think everyone just accepted it that, you know, people would be better than others in certain days. That's good to hear. That's reassuring to hear as well. Um, so so here you are then as five grown men and you've got this partnership with My Online Schooling, which is clearly a school. Two very different kind of uh, organisations, I guess, you know, an organisation of five people rowing across the Atlantic and, and a school. Um, Ian, tell us a bit about what that partnership is and how it came about as well. Well, it came about through uh, Tom Crombie, who's uh, local to North Berwick. So he uh, started my online schooling. He used to be a, a teacher himself locally to us. And he saw, obviously, the opportunity to start this business. And uh, he, I think, reached out to us, seeing that it was a project that uh, he wanted to get behind because he could see that there was lots of 
uh, ways in which we could interact with the various uh, uh, my online schooling pupils across the the world. And I have got to say, before we left, it was amazing. You know, we log on, we got the opportunity to, and I say, quote unquote, teach some lessons with them. And uh, it, it was amazing the the feedback, how clever they were, the sort of insightful questions they were asking, uh, many of which were more insightful than the sort of ones we were getting from our friends and families. Uh, so it was uh, a fantastic opportunity to work with them there and then in the, in the run up to the race. But also, you know, as, as Clive was saying, throughout they were passing stuff on to us. So we were getting sent sea shanties that they'd written and, uh, and pictures that they'd drawn uh, to try and keep us motivated, which was really fantastic. But I, I think they've been able to look at this, what our project was from the, the viewpoint of various different subjects that they're teaching at my online schooling. So different elements can be assessed. You know, the, I, I taught a, a, not a course, I, I taught a lesson on the, the sort of marine biology we'd be seeing, uh, whereas the other boys would be talking about the sort of engineering of the boat or, uh, you know, the, the geography of our route and things like that. And, you know, for whether it was intended to be as successful as it was, I don't know, but it certainly seemed to really engage the kids. And, uh, you know, I think we were really delighted to be involved. Well, of course, you know, the, the, the idea of the involvement is to, you know, is to, is to raise the money for reverse fret. And I just wonder, Ross, if you could just tell us a little bit about how that felt for you, um, given your personal attachment to this charity, uh, how it felt for you knowing that there were various people you know, all pulling together in order to raise money for this charity. Yeah, it's, it's, it's brilliant that so many people came together. I mean, I think there was a point when we were getting all these messages of support and things coming through to the boat, it suddenly felt like it wasn't just about the five of us trying to cross an ocean anymore. You know, there was a huge support crew behind us and um, so many people that were invested in our in our journey, if you like, as well. So um, that is a huge motivation you know for us as well i think you know to keep going and um you know keep churning out shift after shift of the boat um and then you know it's incredible just also the you know it just gives that awareness for the charity as well um having so many people um interested in, in our campaign as well which has it's been incredible so mm. yeah mm. good mm. So I'd love to know a little bit more then about the actual day-to-day activity. Uh, you know, one of you mentioned about recognising before you left that there were going to be high points and low points. How did you manage through the low points to encourage each other? I mean, you know, did you did you find moments where, where you sing together or you tell each other stories or was it just a case of having to keep on going with the rowing? Well, I don't know. I, I think let, let's ask Dunk about yeah. that. <laughs> First of all, we just talk over each other all the time. Uh, like that. Uh, no, I think, um, yeah, there, there was various ways of doing it. You know, we had um, Bluetooth speakers where we'd play music or podcasts or um, uh, audiobooks, which were which was a great way to sort of just put your mind somewhere else and then you just roll on autopilot, um, pun not intended. Um, and then there was also, I, I think... We, we all sort of adopted ways of just making sure that you know you can look after each other to a certain extent but you just really got to keep an eye on each other so if somebody um you know makes an uh, uh perhaps it could be seen as a nippy comment to you you could just ignore it rather than making one back because there's nothing constructive in folk going at each other um and 99 percent of the time it, everything would blow over you know and we also had what started as a morning meeting uh, to discuss any um, concerns, I think, 
Uh, but then mornings uh, could sometimes be a bit um, fraught because folk were tired and hungry. So we, I decided to make it lunchtime, but lunchtime was so scorching hot, it was a terrible idea. And then the morning meeting ended up being about 6pm uh, most days. Uh, and it was it was quite a good way of airing it. Some, some days it didn't feel necessary, you know, everything's just ticking along. But we'd always sort of stand up and make sure we had a quick chat about what's going on. What we're aiming for, you know, what what are our goals for the next twenty four hours or twelve hours or whatever it is, and just uh, and that's it. But in terms of if you if you saw like a crewmate was down, you know, you'd ask them if you could help. Um, if they ask you to leave them alone, you leave them alone. Or if you want a chat, you can have a chat. Uh, one audio book that I actually listened to three times, <laughs> um, not necessarily through choice, but I did actually really enjoy it and. Um, I've been telling everyone to read it. Um, it's uh, Billy Connolly, Windswept and Interesting. Um, it seemed to, I, I listened to it on my own, and then um, I think uh, Duncan and Clive were on the oars at night time, so they, they listened to it. And then uh, me, Ian, and Ross also listened to it. So um, I, I ended up listening to uh, Windswept and Interesting by Billy Connolly three times, and uh, I think I know his life story pretty well now. So um, yeah, thanks, Billy, for getting us through the, the tough, yeah, exactly. tough moments. Well, there's definitely one there to check out in that case. Uh, which of the five of you would you say has got the, the got the best sense of humour? In the boat or right now? I don't... <laughs> there was a bit of a deficit of humour going on in the boat. Okay, and then if we talked about singing voices, I mean, um, oh, I uh, were there times I... when you're all singing? I mean, who's got the best singing voice? Who's got the worst singing voice? I think we should do a live edition. I mean, it's definitely one night I definitely sang a song and Ian got up after his head of sleep and he's like, all I could hear you was Rooney singing and that wasn't very good. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I said, oh, you should have shouted in terms of uh, getting to sleep. He's like, oh, I couldn't be bothered. It was too tired. <laughs> <laughs> there wasn't a lot of singing going on in the boat, unfortunately. Yeah. Initially. Like, in terms of, like Simon, you mentioned about the humour side of it. I think we're all pretty good sense of humour and can take a joke. Uh, we can even take a bit of uh, being ripped into to a degree, as long as it doesn't go too far. But um, I think we had, um, when when morale was high, then the humour was high. And I think whenever morale was slightly ebbing or low, then I think people knew to be quiet and just um, uh, get on with the job at hand. Um, one thing I think, you know, we talked about the audiobooks and music and chit-chat and all the rest of it, but one thing we definitely we agreed to beforehand as well was about just being happy and being in silence. There's nothing wrong with being in each other's company and not having to make up chat just for the sake of it. So there were some shifts where I think I barely spoke a word to people, but there was, that was absolutely fine and nobody nobody was thinking, oh, what's wrong with Clive? I think it was quite an important thing to make sure we're, we're happy in each other's company. And in many ways, it, it was a good system to adopt because often if the wind's blowing, and somebody's sitting at stroke facing the opposite way to you, you just can't hear them. And they get so frustrated because <laughs> you keep saying, what? What? Uh, it's better to just to sit in, in complete silence. And just it's it's also it. quite funny. Um, you think that uh, we're all in a really small boat and you would see um, all your crewmate on a, for 24 hours um, constant. But if you think about the shift patterns as well, there's, you know, you're hot bedding the, um, the cabin. So, you, you don't really sometimes you'll not you'll only see one person one of the uh, one of your crewmates like for two hours of the day so um, yeah so like because we had five people we had quite an interesting um, shift rotation um, and that meant that you were uh, you weren't necessarily seeing the same people or 
speaking to the same person all the time and, and you didn't spend all the time together, which when I first set, uh, sort of signed up for this, I, that I thought, oh my God, you know, like you'll be rowing with the same, like all five people at the same time and you'll all be, you know, it'd be all be one team. But um, it, it wasn't really like that, which is quite interesting. Thanks, thanks for explaining all of that. Um, so big question then, uh, probably Ian, I'm going to ask you this. Out of the 36, where did you come? We came in third place after a, a, a battle royale for second that lasted right up until about the last 24 hours, would you say, boys? It was um, it was a real, it, it was incredible that we managed to stay toe-to-toe with a crew of RAF guys uh, vying for second place for the majority of the race. And uh, the guys out front, a team called Swiss Raw, who are these sort of Swiss uh, army guys, had uh, just set a commanding lead from the start. They put about 100 miles on the rest of the fleet. And realistically, we were never going to catch them. Um, They were so strong. But with these other, this other crew, we were just, you know, one day we'd be a mile behind, then we'd be a couple of miles ahead. And that lasted right up until the end. And then we were really in the laps of the weather gods at that stage. And we just lost the wind and they got the wind. And, you know, they deserved it in the end. But ultimately, we got a podium place for the heaviest boat in in the entire fleet we didn't think we'd be up there so it was an amazing thing to to have achieved and tell us what it felt like to actually get to that finish line in that case because i i do remember seeing some of the press images and i, and I saw one picture where, where you're all hugging each other tell us what that actually felt like to cross that line and then to be able to stand up and actually hug each other like that it was quite full on because you've just been in this boat with miles and miles either side of you um there was a point about, I don't know, maybe two or three hours before that where we saw land and I got so excited that my voice was still hoarse about two weeks after. Uh, just we got It was like a sort of primal reaction and I just went bananas. Um, and, then, and then we sort of had to roll in for another couple of hours. But actually coming into the harbour itself uh, was incredible. It just, I mean... I, I still struggle to put it into words because you're, you're coming from this vast uh, ocean where, like I say, horizon to horizon is just, just you and these other guys. And then suddenly you're coming along the coast of Antigua and there's folk um, out hitting saucepans with uh, wooden spoons that sort of applauding you as you're coming in. So you can hear them from quite a distance. And then we come into English Harbour, which is a sort of quite a um, small natural harbour. And it's quite, quite a close sort of uh, entrance. And we could see our, our families um, on the, it's an old fort where the, where the finish line is. And you can actually sort of pick them out in the crowd. And it was, it was um, quite overwhelming, I think is the, the, the way to put it. Um, you know, it was just ridiculous. Absolutely amazing. And I, I genuinely think that day will live me, or that moment will live me, or the day, I guess, will live me forever. Uh, it was incredible. I'm sure it will. I'm sure that it will. Um, so if anyone's been listening to this and they want to contribute to, to the charity, then how could they go about doing that today? So we've still got a Just Giving page, uh, which we can give you the link for, uh, that is active and that's going straight to the charity. Uh, we've, we've, As Ross says, we've got to around about £50,000 in that. We'd love to, to get it a bit higher, but I mean, it's already amazing that we're going to be passing that on. So if anyone does have any cash and is inspired by this, then uh, fire it through the Just Giving. And if you can, tick the gift aid box, that gives them even more. 
So I think we're up to about 10 grand in the gift aid things as a tax benefit for the charity. Excellent. Ian, what is that Just Giving page? Let's just share it on here. It is justgiving.com slash fundraising slash Ross hyphen McKinney six. And I'll just I'll copy and paste that so you can see it just in case anyone can't spell um, Ross uh, or McKinney. Okay, all right. Well, we'll make sure that we put it in the uh, in the show notes as well, and it'll, it'll be somewhere around this video for someone who's watching that. Okay, well, we need to bring this to a close now, but Ian, Duncan, Fraser, Clive, and Ross, thank you very much for your time, all of you. It's been really good talking to you and finding out more about this and what you've been doing. Thanks very much, boys. Thank you. Thanks, Simon. Thanks, Thanks Simon. Cheers. Thank you. So that was Ian, Duncan, Fraser, Clive and Ross, otherwise known as Five in a Row, joining us today from five different locations. Thank you to you all for coming on to this episode of the podcast. Now, that link that Ian gave us was www.justgiving.com forward slash fundraising forward slash Ross hyphen McKinney number six. That's M-C-K-I-N-N-E-Y number six. But we'll put a link to it in the show notes, too. Now, our next episode is coming out soon. But in the meantime, thank you for listening to this one. Don't forget to follow or subscribe so you can stay in touch. And we look forward to seeing you next time. Bye for now.